Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. Today's episode is going to be a part series that I did earlier and I feel like this is a series that I pick up and I drop and I pick up and I drop and I pick up and I drop and I'm trying to be consistent but it is a series that I've just you know like now recently um just a couple months back I've been getting feedback that y'all like it so I was like okay finally people have seen it and so hopefully you guys like it. Today I'm going to be continuing the tafsir of Surah Baqarah. I did Surah Fatiha, scroll down, please, you'll, you'll see it. Um, and I highly recommend starting off with Surah Fatiha. Then I did another part, which was Surah Baqarah, Ayah 1 through 10, because these are very, very big ayahs. Lots to say about them. And I hope it's packed more in this episode so you guys have like more you know, understanding within one segment. Um, if you guys enjoy these series, please let me know. I'm thinking of somehow making like a playlist so they could all be in one place. Uh, but, you know, I'm not tech savvy, so that might take me a moment. But inshallah, you know, please give me your feedback. I might add like a little feedback thing on Spotify so you guys can request back. I started this series back in the day when I didn't have lots of listeners. So now that Alhamdulillah, you know, God has blessed me with the platform, um, which is all him. It's none of it is my work. But you know, lots of people have not listened to um some of my earlier episodes, so lots of people don't know that I did this series. I do want to start off by saying that I'm in no way, shape, or form a qualified scholar. I have been studying tafsir, alhamdulillah, for the past seven, eight years with a teacher um, privately, and that is my experience. I do try to read, you know, occasionally up on tafsir by other scholars, you know, whatever it may be, but I am not you know, a big person that is, you know, an alima, a scholar, nothing like that. But I try my best to teach tafsir in easy form and understanding form and in a form where you can connect to what you are hearing and what you are learning about the Quran. And I hope that this helps you. If I commit any sin or have any shortcoming in my end, explain wrong or, you know, it perceives wrong, may Allah forgive me because my intention is only to spread the knowledge that God has blessed me with the opportunity to learn and I want to spread it on. So if you have not watched Surah Baqarah, you know, the explanation, the tafsir, which, you know, of ayah 1 through 10, I highly encourage to start there because today we're going to pick up from 11 and on. I ask everything that I talk about in this segment and everything that you listen to to be beneficial, to benefit us, to change our lives and to help us grow and to become among those that are righteous deeds and like our pious predecessors and not to become among those that spread false corruption or fall off short in their explanations. May Allah accept all of our efforts. I mean, so let's get started. Okay, Bismillah. 11. When it is said to them, do not cause corruption on the earth, they say we are but reformers. When we look at Ayat 10, which was the previous Ayat, which I talked about in really, really great depth in the previous segment, you know, Ayat 10 essentially states, in their hearts is a disease, so Allah has increased their disease, and for them is a painful punishment because they used to lie. So, right, we, me and you are on the discussion of the disbelievers, and, um, you know, those that will receive a painful punishment, may Allah protect us from that, right? So when they're addressed and it is said to them, you know, like 11 says, when I said to them, do not cause corruption on earth, they say we are but reformers. So they call their corruption reform, but in reality, they're causing harm. But they think they're bringing benefit. And, you know, may Allah protect us from that because in one way, shape or form, I think we all do things like that unintentionally. So Allah, you know, may protect us from being hypocrites or disbelievers and whatnot. But sometimes when we are causing corruption or we're doing something wrong or even the disbelievers, they don't perceive it. Sometimes we view everything that we do from a lens of I'm perfect, I'm great, I'm good. And that is exactly why you need to sometimes question your actions, which is why I talk about that a lot on this podcast, really as a whole. 12. Unquestionably, it is they who are the corruptors, but they perceive it not. 
why don't they perceive that their actions are destructive? Their actions are not causing reforms, rather their actions are causing a destruction. Why do they not realize it? Well, because their hearts are sick, like we talked about in the last segment. Your heart is blind. So how will you understand when you're sick? How will you understand when your heart is blind? When Allah has, you know, decreed that upon you and you are too ignorant and you don't care enough to know, to learn, to seek truth, you'll never perceive it. 13. When they said to them, believe as the people have believed, basically like the Sahabas, may Allah be pleased with all them, they say, should we believe as the foolish have believed? So the Sahaba were foolish to them. Well, why? Because the Sahabas didn't lie. And when we look at, you know, like I mentioned in Ayah 10, where it says to you know, in their hearts is a disease. So Allah has increased their disease and for them is a painful punishment because they used to lie. Me and you are talking about liars right now. We are talking about the concept of lying. And they found the Sahabas, may Allah be pleased with them, to be foolish. Why? Well, because they didn't lie. The Sahabas did not lie. They spoke the truth. Just like today, if a person speaks the truth, he adheres to the truth, he's considered foolish. Why? Because people don't accept people that are truthful now. If you're truthful, you get dragged and ragged around. In this world people will take advantage of you people walk over you but it's better to be the one that gets hurt than be the one that is hurting someone it goes on to say unquestionably it is they who are the foolish but they know it not or team and when they meet those who believe they say we believe but when they are alone with their evil ones they say indeed we are with you you we were only mockers so wherever they go they become like the people around them and this may resemble you remind you of someone and you know may allah give to hadayat and protect us from being like that but you know those people that just reform and become someone with with someone else completely different every single time new group of people new person and it kind of seems like they have multiple faces right so wherever they go they become like the people who are around them but they only show loyalty who are like them, who who act like them, who be like them, who think like them, right? That's how human beings are. Now, you can take that attribute and go two ways about it. You can be a person on your deen and like and associate and, you know, love and support those that also do that. Support those that also, you know, are strong in their faith and in deen and the community and whatnot and encourage positivity towards that. Or you can be a person of bad character. You can be a person of liar who lies. You can be a manipulator. You can be someone that hurts people. You know, you can be someone that commits felonies, whatever you wish. And you can only support, love, and like people who do similar attributes to you. So let your circle be the thing that helps you on the day of judgment, not throws you down. So let's go on. Ayah 15, Allah mocks them and prolongs them in their transgression while they wander blindly. One of the big things that we discussed, you know, in many segments is the munafiki, the hypocrites, right? They're happy with the immediate results of their, whatever they do wrong, of the treasury, the deceit, whatever, they're lying, cheating, and whatever it may be. And that is how the hypocrites are. Immediate consequence is something that holds people accountable in this world. But when the concept of immediate consequence is erased, right? And I talked about this in this episode where I filmed and talked about prayer, right? We are very much grounded by immediate consequence. If I don't do my homework, I know I'm going to get a zero. Automatic, immediate consequence. Bam, I'm going to do it, right? If you skip your prayer, you are not. You might not see an immediate consequence. You might not see, you know, the earth and sky fall down upon you. So you're going to be like, mm, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I think I have to skip prayer again. I, I'm busy, right? Because you don't see an immediate consequence. And sometimes your consequence is the fact that Allah takes away your prayer from you, which is unfortunate. May Allah protect us. But that happens too, right? So... You have to be mindful about those things and you have to be careful that you are not grounding yourself by immediate results, right? 
And what are the immediate results of treachery? You usually win, right? If you're deceiving people, you know, you're lying, whatnot, you climb the ladder. That's how this world is. So the munafiqin, the hypocrites, they're happy with, you know, the instant result, the immediate result of the treachery, deceit, they're lying, they're cheating and whatnot. And they think they ate. They think they're very intelligent, right? But in reality, when they have lied, right, they're only preparing more fuel for themselves in the fire of hell. But they don't realize it because their hearts are blind and they're so consumed in what they think is everything, right? Their little world, the world of deceit, the world of lie, immediate results. So they do not realize their foolishness and they do not realize their wrongs. They keep running and rushing in wrong ways over and over again. 16. Those are the ones who have purchased error in exchange for guidance. So they've given up guidance, they've taken misguidance, simple as that. And so it continues to say in the ayat, the transgression has brought them no profit ultimately, nor were they guided. We really should focus on this one because a lot of times we think that the decisions that we make are very profitable that we're going to win and that we're going to succeed but sometimes those decisions are the decisions that lead us unguided 17 their example is that of one who kindled kindled a fire but when it illuminated what was around him allah took away their light and left them in the darkness so they could not see self-explanatory right so the example of one who acts like this is the one who kindles a fire and right when it illuminates what was around him allah took away that light and left them in darkness where they could not see. So I do want to mention a couple examples for this. And as I go through this, you know, this whole segment, I do want to say that I am sharing some examples for myself and also from, you know, Ibn Kathir and Farhat Hashmi and knowledgeable people like that. So Ibn Kathir says about this specific, specific ayat. And this was quite a vivid example where essentially when someone starts a fire, when the fire is lit and it's illuminating the surrounding area, the person benefited from it. They felt safe. It felt good. But the second the fire was suddenly extinguished, total darkness came over everything around them. And that, this person who is unable to see anything and find a way out of it. Now we are also in another predicament because this individual already could not hear or speak and became so blind at the heart that even if there was light, he would not be able to see it. So this is why you cannot return someone to that state as it happened to him before. You know, lots of people say, well, if Allah wished, why didn't he just guide everyone? Well, does everyone actually seek guidance? It's a question to think about. And when people say, oh, well, it's God's will. No, there's also free will. And have you ever, with your free will, genuinely sat there and been like, I want to seek guidance with my open heart and open mind and not the conservative thought of I already believe in what's right and I actually go out there and seek guidance. So lots of people don't actually do that, shockingly. And they have a confirmation bias within whatever they believe in. So guidance is for those that want the guidance, right? I'm not going to give you something if you don't want it. I'm not going to give you something if you're not going to appreciate it, right? So while guidance and Islam and everything is for everyone and Allah bestows it on people in different aspects of their life, you know, the person that we're talking about here, this example, it's the case of a hypocrite who preferred misguidance over guidance, deviation over righteousness. And this indicates that the hypocrites first believed and disbelieved. And just as Allah says, you know, other parts of the Quran is how Allah removed their light, meaning Allah removed what benefits them. And this is the light. And then he left them with what harms them. And that is the darkness. And what exactly is the darkness, their doubts, their disbelief, their hypocrisy, right? So they could not see, meaning they're unable to find the correct path or find the correct direction. And in addition to that, they're already deaf, dumb, and blind, so they return back to as they are and not to the right path. And you know, in another verse in the Quran, in 2246, this is, you know, obviously way ahead. The ayat states, Verily it is not the eyes that grow blind, but it is the hearts which are in the breast that grow blind, right? And this is why we cannot get back to the state of guidance that they were in, since they sold it for misguidance. Again, it's a decision, it's a choice.
And Ayat 18 just really ties in with what I mentioned earlier. I think I already said it where they're deaf, dumb, and blind, so they will not return to the right path, and Allah has taken their light. And we discussed that. Now let's talk Ayah 19. Or their example is like that of a rainstorm from a sky within which is darkness, thunder, and lightning. And when they are in the storm, they put their fingers in their ears against the thunderclaps in dread of death. So they become afraid, right? But Allah is encompassing of the disbelievers. Essentially stating that meaning if you even cover your ear, your, close your ears, cover your ears, whatever you want to say, you can't avoid the truth, right? This is just like another parable which Allah gives us in the situation about the hypocrites who sometimes know the truth and doubt it at other times. And when they suffer from doubt, confusion, and disbelief, their hearts are, you know, just like it mentioned right here. You know, Ibn Kathir also refers like the lightning is almost as if it snatches away their sight, meaning because the lightning is strong itself and because their comprehension is already weak, it does not allow them to embrace the faith. And this is very interesting because it was Ali bin Abi Talha who reported that Ibn Abbas commented on this particular ayah saying that the Quran mentions almost all the secrets of the hypocrites, which if you actually look into it, it does. And so in modern day media, when we see people, you know, say that they embraced islam at one point or even act like they were muslim and of course that's for allah's judgment but you know how some people they do social media stunts or things like that and they do it just to muddy the name of islam just to you know put up a bad image or there's certain people that are not even muslim and then they sit there and they drag out and you know what not do what not with the name of islam and it's the secrets are here the secrets are written and the quran is a book that to one person, when you open it up, it's going to see like a story of the past, right? It's just going to be, okay, this happened, this happened, this happened, Allah says this, whatever, right? And to the second person, when you open up the Quran, it's going to seem like a guidance that is very relevant even today. Because when you look at the secrets that the Quran tells us, and the secrets are not things that people always see. You have to be seeking the secrets to find the secrets. And when you see that Allah tells you how to navigate your life and how these hypocrites are and how these people are, you will find yourself somewhere among those pages. But the question comes down to, are you willing to seek those secrets? Are you willing to look for those things? And that's why, you know, learning tafsir and whatnot is important. And also just applying it to your life. We should intake something very interesting here on, consequently on the Day of Judgment, you know, the believers, they will be given a light according to their degree of faith. So some of them will gain light that illuminates over the distance of miles and some more and some less. And some people's light will glow sometimes and be extinguished at other times. So they are, therefore, they will walk on the sirat, which is the bridge over the fire, in the light, stopping when it is extinguished. Some people will have no light at all. These are the hypocrites whom Allah has described when he says that this is in 5713 of the Quran where it says on the day when the hypocrites, men and women, will say to the believers, wait for us, let us get something from your light. It will be said to them, go back to your rear, then seek a light. It's also said in 5712 of the Quran where, you know, Allah describes the believers in even more depth. Where it says on the day you shall see the believing men and the believing women, their light running forward before them and by their right hand. Glad tidings for you this day gardens under which rivers flow which is paradise it doesn't end there because more comforts provided in 66 8 the day that allah will not disgrace the prophet muhammad peace be upon him and those who believe with him their light will run forward before them and their records the book of deeds in their right hands they will say our lord keep perfect our light for us and do not put it off till we cross over the sirat which is the slippery bridge over you know hell again um i mentioned that and grant us forgiveness verily you are able to do all things and as you can see when i read um the little translation there's this part where it says their light will run forward before them and it was ibn abi hatam that narrated that abdullah bin masood commented on you know this particular phase saying that they will pass on the sirat according to their deeds. The light that some people have will be as big as a mountain. 
while the light of others will be as big as a date tree. The people who will have the least light are those whose index fingers will sometimes be lit and extinguished at other times. And literally, if we imagine, let's get index finger, bro. Pick up your index finger and stare at it. That's very little light. <laughs> Nila protects us. So um, it goes on about Ibn Abi Hatam, who also reported that Ibn Abbas said, every person among the people of Tawheed, which is Islamic monotheism, will gain a light on the day of resurrection. As for the hypocrite, his light will be extinguished. When the believers witness the hypocrite's light being extinguished, they will feel anxious. Hence, they will supplicate our Lord keep perfect our light for us. So let's recap a bit, because me and you have talked quite a lot about the types of believers and types of disbelievers in this segment and in the one before, right? So there's several types of people, and the Quran has told us about them, right? So the believers whom the first four ayat, which was, you know, 2 to 2 to 5 in Surah Baqarah, describes that. And then the, then the next ones are disbelievers who are described in the next two ayat. And so there's two categories of the hypocrites that we have talked about. So there's the complete hypocrites who are mentioned in the parable of the fire. And the hesitant hypocrites, the one whose light... A faith is sometimes lit, sometimes extinguished, and the parable of the rain, which is the whole little thunder discussion we had, was revealed about this category, which is not as evil as the first category. This is similar also to the thing that was discussed in Surah An-Nur, which I haven't made an episode on that, so don't worry, you're not missing out, but um, a parable that was given in Surah An-Nur, where, you know, it's an example of the believer and the faith that Allah puts in his heart, compared to a brightly illuminated lamp, just like a rising star. So the believer whose heart is built on faith and it's receiving its support from the divine legislation and what Allah has decreed and whatnot, without any impurities without, or imperfections, as it will come to as it will come to know, Allah willing. So now coming to the discussion of the groups of the believers, right? In the beginning of Surah Al-Waqiyah and at the end, Allah shares the groups with us, right, about the believers. And he also does that in Surah Al-Insan into two groups. So there is the Sabiqun, those who preceded. They are the near ones, right? And then Ashab Al-Yameen, the companions of the right, and they are the righteous. So the categories are simple, right? The, right, the near ones and the righteous. And the disbelievers, simple advocates and followers right the disbelievers you you get to decide which end you want to be on and in addition the hypocrites are divided into two types which is the pure hypocrites and those who have some some hypocrisy in them right so we're talking about three big subtopics right believers the near ones and the righteous so that's one group the disbelievers straight up disbelievers advocates and followers and then hypocrites pure hypocrites and those who have hypocrisy in them okay when we talk about believers and disbelievers i think it's very easy to you know, label who's a believer, who's a disbeliever, and then who's a hypocrite. And, you know, while me and you are not in the place of judgment, I think it is common to see that among the Muslim communities where we will sit here and just boldly categorize people and it's not our place. And of course, if someone's evidently a disbeliever, it's obvious by their faith and whatnot. But a lot of this has to do with your heart, the state of your heart. Where is your heart lying? Sometimes as believers, we do actions that are a little bit hypocritical. And so may Allah protect us from that. You may not mean to do it, right? But you want to be careful about what you do and try to at least focus in on, you know, being honest about what you do and how you do it. I'm honest about the fact that I share advice on here that I struggle sometimes to follow myself. But I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a super pious, righteous individual. I mess up and there's certain advice that I should, you know, apply even more harder in my life and I should take into more account. And inshallah, may Allah make that easy for me. But this has a lot to do with your heart, right? You're a believer, you're a disbeliever, you're a hypocrite. This has to do with your heart. It doesn't have to do with anything else. The way that dunya consumes your heart, the way that the life works, the way that your faith works, it all rounds back to your heart. So when we talk about the hearts, right, Imam Ahmad recorded Abu Sa'id saying that the message of Allah said, peace be upon him, that the hearts are four types, a polished as shiny as a radiating lamp, a sealed heart with a knot tied around its seal, and a heart that's turned upside down, and a wrapped heart. 
And as for the polished heart, it is the heart of a believer, and the lamp is the light of faith. The sealed heart is the heart of a disbeliever, right? And we talked about that just now, how every single person, it's, a, it's all about the heart. And the heart that is turned upside down is the heart of a pure hypocrite. Because he had the knowledge, and he denied it. And that's exactly what I'm saying. It's about the heart state. And then as for the wrapped heart, it's the heart that is, contains belief and hypocrisy. So the example of faith in this heart is the example of a herb that is sustained by pure water. The example of hypocrisy in it, the example of an... Of, of an actually described in a really bigger word and the simpler definition is sore that thrives on pus and blood and whichever of the two substances has the upper hand it'll have the upper hand on that heart so we really got into 20 so let's talk about 21 oh people worship your lord your lord who created you and who also created those before you that you may become righteous and you may be saved from a bad outcome and a similar a translation of this is actually, O mankind, worship your Lord Allah who created you and those who are before you so that you may acquire taqwa. So that is like another one that you'll hear quite common. So the Lord who created you has given you all these blessings that you enjoy and the Lord who you know you have to return to and the one who sees what you've done, what you've been doing your entire life and even those before you, you have to answer to him. He made us. We're going to go back to him. So why not worship him when he is our creator? If we have not lived according to his, you know, his rulings, then what will happen when we will turn to him? It is just like, you know, a, your boss, he gives you a two-week time frame. He says, you need to get this, 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 this list done, okay? And this is a really big thing, like, this is your break. You get this done, you get the big bonus salary, you skyrocketing. You go back to him in two weeks doing nothing. He'll be like, why you even show your face? Why are you here, right? Because you do not follow any of my directions. Now, of course, Allah's not going to be like, why are you here? Of course, you're going to return to him, and that's that's written in Qadr, but... Why would you want to return back to your boss, right, at work, knowing you did not do anything that he said you to do? So why would you want to return back to Allah, knowing that you did nothing that he told you to do? The only thing that keeps you grounded with your boss is the immediate consequence. Because you know that something will happen instantly. You'll get kicked out of your job. You won't have money anymore. Or he will replace you. Immediate consequence. And with Allah, you think it's distant. And that's not always the case. Allah has mentioned his oneness in divinity and stated that he has favored his servants by bringing them to life after they did not exist. And that's very true. And a lot of us are kind of ungrateful about the fact that we are alive. And I made an episode on this called, um, but I didn't wish I was born. It's something like that, where we say, well, I didn't ask to be here, so I shouldn't have to go through this. Well, this is Allah's favor upon you. He has favored his servants by bringing them to life after they did not exist. And he also surrounded them with blessings, both hidden and apparent. The things that are right in front of you, the money that you have, the food that you have, have the warm meal that you have and those things that are hidden the things that maybe you didn't understand the things that maybe you don't see every day maybe the things you don't notice you have both so now let's talk 22 he's the one who has made for you the earth a bed spread out and the sky a ceiling and sometimes in brackets sundown from the sky rain and brought forth thereby fruits as provision for you so do not attribute to allah equals while you know that there is no one similar to him so me and you are well aware that allah's one you know in other beliefs, they think that Allah had a son, this and that, and stuck for Allah. But why would you want to associate such um, a divine power with such a humanly attribute? It shocks me every time. But we are well aware in Islam that there's one God. That's it. There's nothing that is associated with him. And he alone governs the affairs of the entire creations. So when that is the reality, why should you associate anyone with him? And I've seen justifications where, you know, people be like, oh, or they'll say something that just sounds like borderline shirk. And, you know, it's very evident in the Quran that your shahada literally, like, you, it's one God. One God, bro. One God. No no need to associate nothing. So do not commit shirk and do not 
give anyone the importance that Allah alone deserves. And this happens sometimes unintentionally where, you know, don't love anybody the way that Allah should be loved. Keep that space separate. And do not rely on anyone as Allah should be relied on. Hope, trust, the tawakkal, repentance, all of this is for Allah and Allah alone. Now, Ayah 23 is always an interesting one. And I always find this one to be a big, um, very strong statement. Especially in debates, especially in whatever. This is strong, right? And if you, and this right now, we're referring to the Arab pagans, the Jews, the Christian, right? So, and if you are in doubt concerning that which we have sent down, which is the Quran, to our servant Muhammad, peace be upon him, then produce a surah, which means chapter, of the like thereof and call your witnesses your supporters and helpers and besides allah if you are truthful right and the translation without the little explanations that i put in to help you is essentially and if you are in doubt concerning that which we have sent down to our servant then produce a surah of like thereof and call your witnesses besides allah if you are truthful some other translations say things like if you have a doubt if you have any doubt what we have given to our servant then produce one surah they're like of it the like like the like thereof i'm sorry the english translation became me trippy the like thereof for this purpose you may even call upon your witnesses other than allah if you should be truthful so you know i think you guys have heard this before this like we always say allah's book is timeless right allah sent down the quran it wasn't a prescribed period it wasn't you know okay you want to read the quran from january to may that's it no no this was this was a forever thing you know till the day we die and whatnot and even then there's so much that goes on right so this is an eternal challenge this is the book of allah and here's the truth in front of you and the reality is that no one has been ever able to produce anything like it anything that matches the level of the quran or anything that's similar to it and whether it's through academics, researchers, jinns, poets, authors, no one can do it. I saw this video that was like a dawah video and I posted it on my Instagram. And it was, what is one of the big miracles that, you know, the Quran has and that Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, you know, was involved in is the fact that look at the Quran, the language, the way that things are being predicted, the wars, whatever it may be, now it's happening today. And back in the day, I think we all were well aware that Arabs and whatnot poetry the language it's beautiful deep divine meaning they're really really you know talented at that but no one was able to produce anything like the quran and even today now me and you have modern technology we got things like grammarly baby me and you could just search up these words up but even today we can't do it why because our human brain just cannot fulfill it. it's not from a human so it's not going to work and this is one of the ways that Allah begins to prove the truth of prophethood after he stated that there is no deity worthy of worship except him. Allah said to the believers, you know, in the whole, and if you, and by if you, again, the Arab pagan, pagans and Jews and Christians, that again, you know, if you're in doubt concerning that which you have sent down, i.e. the Quran to our servant, meaning Muhammad peace be upon him, then produce a surah meaning something similar to it. Basically claiming that if it didn't come from Allah, then tell us where it came from and then, you know, make something like it. And that is something that we still can't do today, like I just mentioned. It doesn't end there because Allah has challenged the disbelievers in various parts of the Quran, such as in Surah Al-Qasas 2849. Say to them, O Muhammad, then bring a book from Allah which is better guide than these two, the Torah and the Quran, that I may follow it if you are truthful. Allah has also said in Surah Al-Isra, say if mankind and the jinn were together to produce the like of this Quran, they could not produce the like thereof, even if they helped one another. Allah's challenges does not stop there because he also says in Surah Hud, or they say he, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, forged it, the Quran, then say, bring you then ten forged surahs like it and call whomever you can other than Allah to your help if you speak the truth in Susan 11.13. It goes on also in Surah Yunus. 
where it says, And this Quran is not such as could ever be produced by other than Allah, the Lord of the heavens and the earth, but it is a confirmation of the revelation which was before it, i.e. the Torah and the Injil, and a full explanation of the book, which was the law's you know, decree for mankind, wherein there is no doubt for the Lord of all that exists. Or do they say, he, Muhammad, has forged it, say, bring them a, bring them a surah like it and call upon whomever you can, besides Allah, if you are truthful, 1037 to 38. So just this whole compilation of ayat, they're, they're saying the same thing. If you think a human did it, then try to produce something like it. But now let's actually talk about the miracles, examples of the miracles from the Quran, where it says whoever reads the Quran will realize that not, not only does it contain superiority and miracles, you know, to the apparent, but also to the hidden meanings. And when we look at what Allah says in 11.1, where it starts off with Alif Lam Ra, this is the book, the verses whereof are perfect in every sphere of knowledge, and then explained in detail from one, who's Allah, who is wise and well acquainted with all things. Essentially stating that the expressions in the Quran are perfect and its meanings are explained. Furthermore, every word and meaning in the Quran is also eloquent and cannot be surpassed. The Quran also mentions the stories of the people of the past, and these accounts are stories occurred exactly as stated in the Quran. Also, the Quran commanded every type of righteousness, forbade every type of evil, just as Allah stated in 6, 115, and the word of your Lord has been fulfilled in truth and in justice. So let's talk Ayah 25. And give good news to those who believe and do righteous deeds that they will have gardens in paradise beneath which rivers flow. Whenever they're provided with a provision of fruits, therefrom they would say, this is what we were provided with before. And is given to them in likeness and they will have their impurified spouses and they will abide therein eternally. Another common translation you might hear is, and give glad tidings to those who believe and do righteous good deeds, that for them will be a gardens under which rivers flow, which is paradise. Every time they will be provided with a fruit therefrom, they will say, this is what we were provided with before, and they will be given things in resemblance, i.e. in the same form, but different in taste, and they shall have therein, you know, purified mates and wives, and they will abide therein forever. And this is genuinely beautiful because this is forever and for always, right? You shall never die. There's no old age in Jannah and there's no hunger. There's no thirst, no illness, no disease, no discomfort, no pain, no affliction, no distress. Like this is life. This is the real home, which we have to strive for now. But those who don't believe, who find faults in the Quran, who criticize the style of the Quran, the content of the Quran, you know, Allah continues to say in Ayah 26, indeed, Allah is not shy. He's not timid to present an example of that of a mosquito or what is even smaller than that. What does this mean? A mosquito or something smaller than that looks insignificant because of our ignorance and, you know, where's the fact is that every creature, even if it's small, a small as a mosquito, or even smaller than that, is indeed a creature that comes in the dark and draws blood out without even knowing it. Allah doesn't feel shy to present the example of something that is even this small. The ayah continues to say, and those who have believed know that it is the truth from their lord but as for those who disbelieve they say what did allah intend by this example allah sends astray many thereby and guides many thereby and he sends astray none but the defiantly disobedient so when it says verily allah is not ashamed to set forth a parable even of a mosquito or so much more when it's bigger or less like we mentioned you know in his tafsir of asodi um reported that ibn bas ibn masud and some companions said when Allah gave these two examples of the hypocrites, meanings, Allah's statement, you know, their likeness is the likeness of one who kindled a fire, which was in 2.17, and then, or like a rainstorm from the sky, which was in 2.19, the hypocrite said Allah is far more exalted than for him to make such examples. So Allah revealed these ayats, these 2.26 to 27, up to, you know, those who are the losers. So Allah does not shy away from the truth when he mentions a matter as a parable, whether it's significant, non-significant, you know, you don't think about a mosquito on a daily basis. 
you don't think about a thunderstorm on a daily basis, but that's what we're saying here, the scale, whatever it may be. When Allah mentioned the flies and the spider in his book, the people of misguided and say, why did Allah mention this? Okay, and so Allah revealed, verily, Allah is not ashamed to set forth a parable even of a mosquito or so much more when it is bigger or less, right? So this we just covered that. So let's talk 27. So 27 says, there are those who break the covenant of Allah after contracting it and separate that which Allah has ordered to be joined and they cause corruption on earth. It is those who are the losers. So when we, you know, when these people, they break the promise with Allah, what is the promise which every single one of us has made with Allah? Start with that. La ilaha illallah. There's no God of wor worthy of worship but Allah. So if we say the kalima and we don't live by it, or we say the kalima and we don't act according to it, then this is us breaking our promise with Allah. And, you know, this is disobedience and we should be mindful about that, especially if we're doing it intentionally. And the one that does not maintain good relations with the people, Allah has ordered that the relations must be joined. So, you know, the ones that cut off these relations and whatnot and they're being problematic and they break not just the covenant with Allah, but they also hurt those around them. You know, it's not right because our deen is about giving the right of Allah, giving the rights that Allah, you know, has told us to give him um, and worshiping him, not, not associating anything with him. And then also giving the rights of his creation, being kind, being generous, being a righteous, good individual and a pious person. Alright, so getting on to 28. How can you disbelieve in Allah? You were lifeless, he brought you to life, then he'll cause you to die. And then to him, you will be returned. You know, a similar translation you guys might have heard. How can you disbelieve in Allah saying that you were dead and he gave you life, then he will give you death and then again will bring you to life on the day of resurrection and then unto him you will return. Allah testifies to the fact that he exists and that he is the creator, the sustainer of who has full authority over his servants, right? So when we say, how can you disbelieve in Allah saying that you were dead and he gave you life, then he'll give you death and again, you know, bring you to life on the day of resurrection and on time you return. How can anyone deny Allah's existence or worship other with other with him when you were dead and he gave you life? Meaning he brought them from the state of non-existence to life, right? And it is said in 52, 35, 36 of the Quran where it says, similarly, Allah has said, were they created by nothing or were they themselves the creators or did they create the heavens and the earth? Nay, but they have no firm belief. And it's also said in 76, 1, has there not been over a man a period of time when he was not a thing worth mentioning? And that always hits the spot. At one point, we were all in the wombs of our mothers lifeless. And if he did not will for you to be here, then you wouldn't be here, right? And if you are alive, it's Allah's favor on you and you reject him, you reject his favors and you're not living in this world forever. At the end of this life is death. So then you will be, you know, brought back to life. But death does not mean termination of existence. It just means eternal life shall begin, which is terrifying. So let's talk 29. It is he who's created for you all of that which is on the earth. Then he directed himself to the sky and turned the sky into seven skies. And he is the knower of all things. Why would you deny your Lord, your merciful, generous Lord, who has created everything in the earth for you? And he made it for you and he made us. He also made everything that we need, whatever we see. And this is not just the things in front of you, you know, your house, but the mountains, the clouds, the seas, the birds, the sand, the grass, the trees, the bees, anything and everything in this world is tied together in a system that makes it livable. Isn't that so strange? The way that the animal cycle works, the way that, you know, even this just the rain cycle, just all these things, the way that it all works and puts together, it's shocking. So everything in this world that Allah has created directly or indirectly, is it's serving us, it's helping us, right? And it's been made for us. And so it's very, first of all, we're really ignorant towards those things. And we're like, mm, yeah, like, ah. look at the sky, bro. That's crazy. I'm sorry. I'll be having those moments a lot. And this is just another evidence of Allah's ability that after he mentioned the proofs of, you know, whatever he did, he's also mentioning another proof that they can witness, which is the creation of the heavens and the earth, right? So it is he who created all that is on earth. Okay, now let's talk 30. 
And mention when your Lord said to the angels, Indeed, I will make upon the earth the successive authority. The angels said, Will you place upon the earth the, the one who will cause corruption there and shed blood? The angels said, We declare your praise, O Allah, we sanctify you. Indeed, I know that which you do not know. So essentially, 30 saying that on the earth I'll place a creation that will succeed the previous and a creation that will come in generations. And, you know, then the angels are like, Well, well you're going to place someone that causes corruption and sheds blood? And, you know, then obviously that means like we have free will and we'll have the freedom and we can, you know, cause chaos. We can do whatever we want or we can be really good people. And then, of course, the angels say, we declare your praise, O Allah, we sanctify you, right? So this ayah is really self-explanatory and Allah says in response, indeed, I know that which you do not know. So ultimately, you know, Allah has severe knowledge on everything. Quite often, I feel like we all question, oh, why am I alive? But what's my purpose? But I didn't ask to be here and... Da, da, da. Now, I've talked about those things, but ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, we only have limited knowledge as to where we're going to go, what's going to happen, you know, who are we, whatever. But ultimately, you have to trust that God knows best. And when you start to believe that God knows best and he will only give you what's the best, then inshallah in your life, God will help, you know, good things come into your life, of course. And if not in this world, then surely in the next. But you have to start creating a good relationship with God. And even if you may not know, why you're here, what you're doing, and you have limited knowledge on, you know, everything, on your entire existence, on who you are, don't make that a correlation with God. Because God knows exactly what he's doing, God knows exactly why we're here, and God knows exactly how everything's going to end for all of us. So keep firm faith that God will only give you what's good, inshallah. So that wraps up the tafsir of these ayahs. I think I'm going to stop here. I was thinking of, you know, making episodes that were really long, with like all the tafsir at once of a surah but i also feel like that's a little bit overwhelming on everyone's end because i feel like people zone out or like you're listening to it and then you're like okay wait what's happening so i just feel like the small small pieces are better and they're more understandable for everyone um you know just doing it up to segments and even for me personally like i'm not trying to complain i, I humbly love doing this but um i just i feel like i want to know how are people enjoying this if people like it and then, of course, alhamdulillah, continue it. So since I'm doing these episodes in small pieces, I have done three already, which was the Surah Fatiha, the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, and then this one right now. So what I'm doing is I have made a playlist on Spotify. It's under my name, same picture, everything, where it's literally called Islamic Feelings Tafsir. And it's just a playlist with my tafsirs in it. And I'm going to link it on my link tree, inshallah, so it, you guys can, like, hear it and it works out, right? And then if you want to, like, take notes and, like, have them all in a one nice place and just one nice playlist, that's your spot. So you can just add it to your collections and whatnot on Spotify and... Hopefully that playlist helps you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining. Please, please send feedback. I would love to know how you guys found this. If you guys found it useful or just eh, just be honest. I honestly don't take it personal. Um, may Allah keep all of you safe. Assalamu alaikum.